Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise God. We're going to go get right into the Word of God this morning. We'll receive the offering later. So if you'd all stand with me, let's pray and uh, we'll look to the Lord to give us utterance. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this time we have together. Lord, we come in agreement together asking for utterance, asking for revelation, asking for the eyes of our understanding to be flooded with light. Give us ears to hear. Speak to us by your spirit through your word today. And Lord, we just covenant with one another. We'll not just hear your word, but we will be doers thereof. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated and we're doing a series called Jesus Is. Jesus Is. So I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians. And we're going to look at chapter 3. And uh, we're going to also look at verse 13, 14, and verse 29. Galatians, the third chapter, says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then dropping down to verse 29, it says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want you to know particularly the phrase, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, the Bible says that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So this morning, for a little while, I want to speak to you along the lines of Jesus is our Redeemer. He has purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law. He took upon Himself what was due us. He took upon Himself sin that we might have right standing with God. He took upon Himself all of the curse so that you and I may walk in the blessings of the Lord. In Ephesians, the first chapter in the seventh verse, it says, In whom, this is talking about in Christ, we have redemption, and that it is through His blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I love what the Amplified says in Ephesians 1 and verse 7. And I'll just wait till we can get that up there because it kind of, uh, I guess, amplifies uh, what we mean here. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In Him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through His blood. The remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of His gracious favor. Notice with me, Jesus is our Redeemer, redeeming us and delivering us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, when you're talking about Jesus, our Redeemer, there's so many different areas that you can look at. But I want to center in on just one of them today. And I want to bring a word to you, I believe, that will encourage you, also will instruct you and enlighten you. So what we want to center in on is one phrase from Psalms 103. So let's look over at Psalms 103. And we're going to notice verses 1 through 4. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Amen. Let's look at the King James, if we could. Thank you so much. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he goes on to list what some of those benefits are. Number one, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. We've been redeemed from sin. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And then the next phrase says, Who healeth all thy diseases. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is our redeemer from all sickness and from all disease. Amen? And now notice with me in verse 4. And this is what we want to center on. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Notice that phrase. He redeems our life from destruction. Now the word redeemeth there means past. He has redeemed us. It means present. He is redeeming us. And it also means future. He will yet redeem us. I like Young's little translation. It says, who is redeeming from destruction thy life? Who is redeeming from destruction thy life? Now, just because he's redeemed us from destruction does not mean that destruction will not knock on our door. Why? Because we know that the enemy is a thief. And he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Thank God he's put his faith on the inside of us, Jesus has, so that when the enemy comes, we can resist him steadfastly with our faith, knowing that we have been redeemed because Jesus is our Redeemer. Amen? Now notice with me, in John 10, 10, a very familiar verse of Scripture. But in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it talks about the thief. God is not the thief. Jesus is not the thief. The devil is the thief. The thief cometh not but for to, number one, to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Notice the word destroy. Destroy and destruction are very closely defined to be the same thing. To destroy means to eradicate, to damage. It means to shatter or to smash. It means to demolish. It also means to devastate, okay? So that's what the devil's M.O. is. But aren't you glad for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, dissolve, undo the works of Satan on your behalf. Amen. Glory to God. He has delivered you and I from destruction because he is Jesus, our Redeemer. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice something in Acts 16. We're going to take quite a bit of time there. So let's look over there in Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts 16. And we see something here that... uh, Concerning Paul and Silas and concerning some things that they went through. And uh, we know that they were out doing the will of God. And in doing the will of God, um, there's always a thief. There's always an enemy that tries to stop us from doing the will of God. Now, let me just say this. 
you can be in the perfect will of God and yet have some very serious attacks come against you. Now, what happens with a lot of people, because they don't know that, they're ignorant of Satan's devices, they think because they're under attack, they must not be in the will of God. And so, therefore, they move out of the will of God, thinking that the attacks will subside. No. How many of you have had an attack or two, knowing that you are still in, and have been in the perfect will of God? Okay, so... Here's, here they are. They're out preaching the Word of God. They're out doing the will of God. They're in the perfect will of God. And we see, it says in Acts chapter 16 and verse uh, 16, Acts 16, 16, it says, It came to pass as we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She was a fortune teller. The same followed Paul and Silas and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now that sounds right, doesn't it? But it wasn't right. A person that is oppressed or possessed by a demonic spirit can say all the right things, but with the wrong intention and with the wrong motivation and with the wrong spirit behind it. And that's what was entirely happening right here. Now notice with me, the Bible says that she did this for many days, okay? And the same followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High, High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Verse 18, And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved... He got grieved. In other words, the Holy Spirit rose up on the inside of him because that spirit was grieving the Holy Ghost and grieving Paul's spirit. He said, I've had enough of this. Amen. Anybody ever been into a place in life where they said, I've just had enough of this? I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to put the devil on the run. Amen. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out the same hour. Well, we looked earlier sessions that Jesus is the name above every name. And what name did he use? He used the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, spoke to that spirit, and that spirit came right out of her. Glory to God. Amen. And... When her masters saw that the hope of her gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Verse 20. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Hmm. I thought they were trying to help the city. I thought they were trying to be a blessing to the city. Well, there's two families in the world. There's the families of God and there's the families of the enemy. Amen. And they were out to do harm. They were out to make money. And they're calling them troublemakers. And they teach customs in verse 21, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison. I want you to notice, they cast them into the prison. Amen. 
they cast them into the prison and uh, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. My goodness. So again, they were smack dab in God's will, yet they were thrown in prison. We could say that Paul and Silas were in a very serious test. Amen. They were in a jail, but they didn't let the jail get in them. They were going through something that they would rather have been delivered from. No one in their right mind would want to go to jail for being in the perfect will of God. We could say they were going through something that they would have rather been delivered from. But notice, in the midst of a bad situation, here's what Paul and Silas did. You will discover that when the pressure is on, you will discover what you have on the inside of you. Amen? Now notice with me in the next verse, in verse, I believe it is verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas grumbled. Did they grumble? No, what did they do? They prayed and sang country music. My wife left, my dog left, they stole my pickup. No, no, no. Doesn't say that, does it, RG? No, no, no. And at midnight. Well, does the midnight hour come to all of us? We have a choice what we're going to do in the midnight hour. But don't wait till the midnight hour comes to be filled with the word and filled with power. Amen. Stay full of the word and filled with power so that when the midnight hour comes, you'll praise God just automatically pray and begin to sing praises to God. Amen. That is when your training, that is when the develop of your development of your spirit will come into full play. Amen? What you do in the hours and in the days ahead is going to make a big difference. They were in jail, but was, what was in them was greater than the prison they were in. What was in them rose up out of them and took them out of the jail. The question is, what was in them? I declare to you the same thing that's in you. They had the spirit of faith. They had the spirit of prayer. They had the spirit of praise. What is in you is much greater than what's around you. What is in you and who is for you is much greater than any circumstance that you are in. Yes, he is our redeemer. But sometimes we've got to go through to get to. How many of you ladies know that? You've had a baby before. Child labor is not pleasant, right? But oh, the joy. Amen. When that baby comes out. Oh, the blessing, amen, of childbirth. But there's labor and there's oftentimes pain that goes along with it. Getting, going through to get to, amen? And a lot of Christians don't like that. They don't want to go through anything. When things don't go their way, 
when they don't get sudden manifestations of healing or sudden manifestations of divine prosperity or sudden deliverances for their children, when things don't go their way and when things don't happen when they want, the way they want, a lot of times they bail out on God. And that, my brothers and sisters, is babyhood Christianity. Because the Bible declares that in Christ Jesus, those that live godly are going to suffer some persecution. There's gonna, there are going to be some things that we're going to go through. Any better ever been through anything? Now, whether you get to is determined how you conduct yourself while you're going through. I'm going to say that again. I don't know that I can say it again. Just mark it down. Your conduct, the way you act, the way you live, your attitude, your spirit is going to determine whether you're going to get through unto or whether you're just going to stay in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. 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 And I'm looking at a church, I believe today, that yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not afraid. We're not afraid because he is with us and he's on the inside of us to take us through to get to our wealthy place. Come on, somebody. In verse 26, we know that they prayed. They sang praises to God. The prisoners heard them and suddenly... Oh, hallelujah. God's got some suddenlies for us. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now God can and God will turn things around quickly. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. This was not a destructive earthquake. This was an earthquake sent from heaven and it got the attention of everyone in the prison. Now, we can't say that they didn't go through something. Can we? Say this with me. Jesus, Jesus their, Redeemer, their Redeemer, gave them the victory. Gave them the victory. And has He not given us the victory? I love what 2 Corinthians 2.14 says. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now something else I saw. What they went through was a witness to the jailer. What Jesus did for them was a catalyst for others to get to. Or to experience freedom. The scripture says in verse 30, they brought them out and the jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved in all the house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, was baptized, he and all his straightway. I mean, right away, the jailer and his whole household got saved and got baptized. Hallelujah. They went through hell. But their going through hell was a witness to a whole family that got born again. God will take some of the things that you've been through to be a blessing and to be a witness to other people. We'd rather not go through it. I've been through a whole lot I would have rather not gone through. How about you? 
But in going through, when the victory comes to you, you'll be a witness to other people around you. And so it's important that we conduct ourselves properly in our midnight hour situations. Turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want you to see something else here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 16 through 18. I'm good. Guys, don't do anything with the air. I'm fine. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. You getting anything yet today? Yes. All right. Fasten your seatbelts. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Now notice this phrase. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we give thanks in everything, not necessarily for it. Because I'm emphasizing this again, because there's some things we'd rather not be in. <laughs> there's some things we'd not rather not go through. Now, this morning, you may currently be in a situation you would, if you had the choice, you would not, rather not be going through. But as I said earlier, how we conduct ourselves, how we act while we're in it, can determine whether we get through it or out of it. Now notice with me, it does not say, in everything murmur. It doesn't say, in everything murmur and complain. Now we found out in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the children of Israel were belly aching, they were complaining, they opened up the door for the destroyer and for destruction. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.10, it tells us, don't murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Okay? So in everything, give thanks. Do the word. Keep the garment of praise on. I said, keep the garment of praise on. Here's the right way to do it. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Here's the right way to do it. Here's the right way to conduct yourself. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fright fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the field. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, yet, I'm going to get my will involved here. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. The Amplified says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. My personal bravery. He's my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet. And he's going to make me walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. Notice what happened when he rejoiced. The Lord strengthened him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Glory to God. Now quickly turn over to Daniel chapter 3. 
Daniel, the third chapter. You know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like one preacher said, Shadrach, Meshach, and off to bed we go. Well, there was this king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was on an ego trip. A big ego trip. And uh, he made this golden image. And he said, now, there are certain instruments that are going to go off and they're going to play. And as soon as you hear those instruments, I want you to fall down and worship this golden image. So everyone, when that, those instruments played, every one of them fell down and worshiped the golden image except for three Jews. Except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like what old Robert said years ago, if you don't bow, you don't burn. And so, people around the king reported it to the king and said, they're not falling down, they're not worshiping your golden image. So the king got extremely upset and he told them to bring them to him. And he said, if you do not fall down and worship this golden image, you are going to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And I want you to notice what the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was. So let's look at Daniel, the third chapter. And notice with me in verse 17. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is what? He's able to do what? He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And not only that, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Now, I'm sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not looking forward to going into that burning fiery furnace. He's able to deliver us. Hallelujah. Now notice in verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship the golden image which you have set up. Basically what they're saying, he's able to deliver us, but even if we go through the burning fiery furnace, we still aren't going to worship your golden image. Verse 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, verse 22, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, 
Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto thee, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. I heard the Spirit saying, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, I'll be with you. They'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Oh, glory to God. Amen. In verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke to them. You servants of the Most High God, come forth and come thither. Then they came forth out of the midst of the fire. See, they were in the fire, but they got out of the fire. Why? Because the fourth man showed up. Jesus, their Redeemer, showed up in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And though they went through it, they got out of it. Hallelujah. Why? Because they had the spirit of faith. They trusted God's ability. They trusted that he would be their deliverer. Come on, somebody. Verse 27, And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power. I love this. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Was this a miracle or was this a miracle? In verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened to him? This was a witness to him. We're talking about an uncouth. We're talking about a heathen king who was so upset and so obsessed with himself and so obsessed with them worshiping a golden image. We're talking about a guy whose attitude changed because right before his eyes, he saw Jesus, the Redeemer, the fourth man in the fire. He saw a miracle right before their eyes. And though you may have been cast into circumstances... Come on, somebody. Though you may have been cast down in some circumstances of life, glory to God, trust the fourth man. He's right there with you. He's on the inside of you. He's for you to take you through your midnight hour, to take you through the fiery trials of life. And not only will you be delivered from and get onto, but others will say, who is this God? Who is this God that delivers? Who is this God that can do such a miracle? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they may not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to reiterate this. Just like they were cast into the inner prison. Just like they were cast, thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Amen. Just like you and I fall into different temptations, testings and trials. The crises of life come to all of us. You may be in a tough spot today. But I just want to encourage you this morning with a couple more verses. I want to encourage you today from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 8 through 9. And let's look at this very closely this morning.
2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 and verse 9. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel a preach coming on. Might be a little early in the morning, but I feel a Holy Ghost preach coming on. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8, it says, We are troubled on every side. We're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Verse 9, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Has he not said he would never leave us nor forsake us? Now notice this next phrase. Cast down, but what? Why are we not destroyed? Because Jesus is our Redeemer who redeems our life from destruction. Amen. One translation says we are persecuted but never have to stand alone. We may be knocked down, but we're sure not ever knocked out. We may have been knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Amen. Because Jesus, our Redeemer, will never, ever leave us. In Isaiah, the 41st chapter and the 10th verse, let me look over there with you just for a moment. He redeems your life from destruction. So you're not a bad Christian if you're going through it right now. Just don't give up. Don't give up, look up. Amen? Don't give in. Hallelujah. Just keep your eyes on Him. Amen. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Uh, Let's look there. Isaiah the 41st chapter and the 10th verse says this. Fear not, for I am with you. The same I am that he spoke to Moses and said, I am that I am. That's what you're to tell Pharaoh. I am with you. He is the same I am that says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Fear not, because I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Here's what I'm going to do. I will strengthen you. I will, oh, hallelujah. I will do what? I will help you. Do we need help in a time of trouble? Well, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not only that, but I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I want to say today in closing, it is Jesus that is your Redeemer that showed up in the jail, that showed up in the burning fiery furnace. Once again, the king said, the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Oral Roberts, many years ago, did an outstanding message called, Who is that fourth man? And he said, well, in Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. And in Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
Oral went on to say, In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls of human life. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. For I know that my redeemer liveth. And then he would go on to say, who is that fourth man? In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's your wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentation, the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he's the fourth man in life's fiery furnaces. Shall I go on or you want to go home? He said, and then he would go on to say, who is that fourth man? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the mighty one to save. In Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist. Trying, revive thy work in the midst of its years. In Zephaniah, he's our savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain opened the house of David for sin and uncleanness. In Malachi, come on somebody, he is the son of righteousness that has arisen with healing in his wings. He is that fourth man. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who triumphed over death, hell, and the grave, who took the keys of hell and death and delivered you from the power of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of His dear Son. He is the bright and morning star. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is a friend. Glory to God to those who need a friend. Hallelujah. Who is this fourth man, Oral would say? In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our justifier. In Corinthians, our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Thessalonians, he's our soon-coming king. In Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who is? Brother Roberts would say, who is that fourth man? In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's your great physician. For the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In Peter, he's our chief shepherd who will soon appear with a crown of unfading glory. In John, he is love. In Jude, he's the coming Lord of ten thousands of his saints. And in the book of Revelations, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He is the fourth man. 
He's right there with you in life's burning fiery furnaces. He's there to take you through, to get unto. There's some things that God wants us to get unto. There's some places we need to go to. Don't let what you're going through hinder you. Don't let what you're going through to stop you. Just keep looking. Just keep praising. Just keep rejoicing. Just keep looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finish of your faith. Keep your eyes upon Him. He is the Son of the living God. And then he would conclude by saying, Who is the fourth man? He's Abel's sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abram's ram, Isaac's wells, Jacob's scepter, Moses' rod, Joshua's sun and moon that stood still, Elijah's mantle, Elisha's staff, Gideon's fleece, Samuel's horn of oil, David's slingshot, Isaiah's fig poultice, Hezekiah's sundial, Daniel's vision, Amos's burden, and Malachi's son of righteousness. Who is this fourth man? He's Peter's shadow, Stephen's signs and wonders, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons in John's pearly white city. Who is the fourth man? He's the father to the orphan, a husband to the widow, to the traveler in the night. He is the bright and morning star. To those who walk in the lonesome valley, he's the lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon, he's the honey in the rock. He is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of His person, the King of glory, the pearl of great price, the rock in a weary land, the cup that runneth over, the rod and staff that comfort, and the government of our lives is upon His shoulders. Who is the fourth man, he concluded? He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, my Savior, my champion, my companion, my Lord and my King. Let's stand up everybody and rejoice that the fourth man is right living on the inside of you. Glory to God. We worship you this morning. Thank you, Father, for moving in our hearts today. Thank you for this encouraging word, Lord. Thank you for heaven's help. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just praise him just for a few moments, should we? Glory to God. Hallelujah. That one verse, yet I will rejoice. Amen. Have you got something to rejoice about today? Amen. Count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, testings, and trials. Lord, we praise you today. We're just going to lift up our voice, lift up our hands, and be encouraged today in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah.